Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. After a decade of working in non-profit management and activism roles, in 2016, Mel Wiggins decided to pivot her career to work with women who want to be more courageous in their lives and work. And now from her home in Northern Ireland, she's been building this really strong and thriving community that serves hundreds of women. Mel runs leadership programs and strategy days and retreats for women business owners. I'm so excited to talk about all things women, business, courage, community. Mel, I'm so glad you're here. Mm, What a treat. I'm pretending that we haven't been talking for the last 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just on the call. Yeah, just arrived fresh. The thing that strikes me about so much of your work, Mel, is that it involves communities of women. And I want to know why that matters and what the advantages of doing that are. I feel like I don't really know anything different, you know, in some ways. All my work, has it has always been like that. And my business came out of a deficit of female community for me. So it was it was kind of experimental accidental and some not accidental I won't I won't kind of minimize it in that way but I was at a stage where my activism work and my like my my prop my management role in uh, the charity sector was really heavy it was really heavy and and I had slogged um as most people are who work in that in that arena and and dealt with some really heavy stuff and I I'd thrown myself into that, threw myself in um, on a steep learning curve with the subject matter, with the the issues I was um, learning about and then working on. And I really, I was really tired and I always kind of dabbled in, you know, Instagram and, and connecting with people on there. And I had built up these like us really like us you know these kind of friendships with people that I'd never met but that I really loved their work or I really love what they had to say and we had this kind of like DM rapport and all of that kind of stuff and I wanted to just be in a room with them I just felt this real gravitation to be with other women and so I like invited them to this to a dinner I I was like I want I feel like I could really host a dinner or some sort of like creative thing where they get to come and I can host this and we can have really honest conversation and lovely food and all this kind of stuff so I arranged this dinner in an orchard because I live in Orchard County here in Northern Ireland um, and it was like full harvest time trees haven with apples and we sat down to this I make it sound really simple there was a lot of behind the scenes I can imagine of of like having dinner in an outside field basically but it was so beautiful and it was a really magical night and actually so so interestingly I have a client who's just I've just started working with who came on a retreat with me last week who was there at that very first night and we like we haven't worked together or done anything together really since that first night. Like we've kept in touch, but she's now come on board as a client. And 
she's like, I think about that night all the time. She's like, I think about that night in the orchard all the time and how special it was. And I think getting a flavor of that and the appetite that all these beautiful, creative, business-owning women had for that, there was just a just like a hunger for it. I guess I took it upon myself to see what else could come out of that space. And so for me, it was it was an internal need for creating that that then it it developed into more more of these events and then you know I kind of get sucked into conversations at these events and I'm hearing lots of like recurring issues that people are facing and things that these amazing women whose like products and services are just like unbelievable to me I'm just like oh you're creating this from your your brain look at this and they were filled with such self-doubt and such like wariness of of being a business owner and timidity and all of this stuff that I was like wow what would it be like if we did this more regularly what would it be like if we spent more time in each other's company heard each other's stories and had the opportunity to say the hard things and so it's kind of a kind of evolved from there, and that's and that's the, those are the spaces that are are kind of created from that. I love that you just went with what you needed and assumed other people would want the same thing. And I think for me, there's always been something quite special about those offers or those you know experiences that we create when it comes from something that is greater than just a oh that sounds like a good thing it's like it's touching something in us too I think you then end up talking about it from it rather than about it if that makes sense like there's a different energy it's quite magnetic for people I think yeah absolutely and it's interesting you know kind of going from and I've always really kind of struggled to how shall I say, creating something that's from a need of my own and it becoming that and then becoming the leader of that, right? And the dynamic that, you know, that that kind of tension of I'm leading, I'm coordinating, but I'm also in it. Like I'm also going through the same stuff and not ever wanting to position myself as having it all together in my business, you know, as my work has evolved and my client base has evolved and programs and all the rest of it, towing that line between knowing that you have a real set of skills to excavate things and hold a group and coach well, but also and maintaining professionalism, air quotes yeah. <laughs> yeah. about that, but then also just just having that level of real honesty and and truth about your own shit really yeah yeah it can be quite a complex role to hold I think very especially when you just adore your clients and feel so like mesmerized by them often I'm sure you feel the same you're just like oh I really fancy all of my clients like they're just the best (laughs) you know like I'm so so lucky to get to to spend my days with these women who are just yeah, just so fascinating and have such depth and such desire to do great things. So it, yeah, it feels like a real privilege. And like an example of that would be, oh, like a couple, well, it was just over a year ago, I was running my, it was coming to the end of one of my my most 
my kind of longest program. So I run like an eight month like business leadership accelerator program for women, which sounds a little bit more corporate than it is. It's it's not corporate at all. And we are coming, this group had been with me, you know, for all of these months. And we were coming to the end. I think we were in like the third week of the eighth month or whatever it was. And one of my closest friends passed away. And she was, I mean, just one of my dearest, dearest people. And I had this real like sense of, oh, I've got to show up for my clients. And and it was the he- it was so heavy. Like I was, my heart was breaking. And I get, you know, I'm getting on these like <laughs> officers calls with this group and just devastated. And they could see this and they were, and they held me, you know, and it was just, it was so beautiful that I could bring my own humanity. And, you know, they were just like, we need to see that you are a real person with real feelings and boundaries and capacity to hear. Uh, it was a real lesson for me in, man, there are some really exceptional circumstances where we don't have to be our best business selves. <laughs> we can just be our best human selves and show it all and be be honest. And yeah, it was it was a real a real moment actually of learning about true community building. Um, and the two-way nature of that often well and I think that's the that's the difference isn't it and I'm always like I, I always sort of feel like really healthy community is one where everybody gets to show up as they are and the boundaries are clear right right so it's like both and right like everyone takes some responsibility for the energy they bring in the room as long and when the energy is truth right it's like it doesn't require anyone else to step out of their kind of values to to show up. And there's something about that that I've always found really difficult to find. Like as a business owner, I think we seek out, we, we recognise our own sense of loneliness and often aloneness in doing this thing that we don't really know what how to do it yet. And then finding places where it feels safe to say, I'm kind of making this up as I go. Anyone else? Mm. <laughs> right? And all the vulnerability that comes with doing this really brave thing that often matters so much to us, it's like finding spaces where it's really safe to do that. I've always found that really tricky. It is really tricky. And it's really tricky, especially whenever I'll speak for myself when you feel like your MO of life has always been be very capable. You're the capable one. You can, you know, like that vulnerability is like, don't, you know, there's only so much, so many spaces where you can really be, you know, because you've, you're, you're maybe having to lead or be responsible in, in all these other areas. So you don't want people to not trust you. So it's that sense of like, if I let my guard down and show that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing sometimes, um, that it will automatically be the ruination of your credibility. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just in my experience, and I'm building my evidence bank of that not being true, gently, bit by bit. But yeah, my experience is that it, in the right conditions, like you said, that isn't that isn't true. That isn't something that 
that is going to be the ruination of you. <laughs> but I, f- I find the more capable you are as a person and the more maybe often esteemed you're held to in some in some ways, the the like the pool shrinks of where you can really be yourself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, and I and I think there's something in my, in my like experience, even though it's been hard to find those places, when I have, holy crap, it's like rocket fuel. Like when you find really supportive places where you can both be, you know, just because you don't know something, it's not the ruination of you. <laughs> when you are vulnerable and you don't quite know what to do next, when you're asking for help, when you're feeling unsteady or uncertain, when that's held and it's like, yeah, that's totally normal. Of course, you would feel like that. You haven't done this before. There's something about that that just feels incredibly safe and supportive and it sort of allows you to go then out into the world and do your thing, even feeling even more courage perhaps than if you hadn't shared that vulnerability in the first place. It's almost like, well, if my peers think I'm okay and this is normal, then I can, I've sort of already processed some of the vulnerability that comes up around that. Absolutely. And I actually think this is key, particularly for the feminine kind of energy of business building is finding that space. It's not easy. And there are some people who are just really, really good at at creating those spaces. You know, I actually think that men could really benefit from that as well in their business. And I just I think that that contributes to so much toxicity in kind of patriarchal business structures that that there is abs- like for us it's hard but I imagine for men it is exponentially harder to ever have those spaces where they can talk about that stuff and that's why there's you know it's all of the things that are that are wrong and and difficult and toxic about masculine business building structures are so hard and so difficult because it's even harder for them. Um, And so they have to draw on, you know, power Mm. and Mm. pushing through. And vulnerability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Look at me and my private jet. I'm rocking it. Right. Yeah. All of that. I always (laughs) want to ask those guys that pop up in my Instagram feed from time to time. As ads, I might add. I'm not following anyone like that. But <laughs> hang on, your algorithm is doing something though. <laughs> something. You're looking um, at something, so maybe maybe I'm looking at leadership and that that's what the world thinks oh, it looks like. But I always think hmm, I'd really want to ask you about your relationship with your dad. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> they always seem like kind of lost boys to me. But yeah. For sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and just, it's not good for any of us, is it, this way? I just keep thinking that, you know, like that way of, this way of projecting and and striving and all of that stuff. It's not good for, it's not good for any of us. I don't know if you've ever listened to anything by uh, Lynn Twist. I think her name is The Soul of Money. She's. Yes, I have. Yeah, I think Ray Dodd suggested reading that book ages ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Well, I re- I remember listening to her talk about something, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look this up while we're here. But she talked about how the bird of humanity has been basically like there's a masculine wing and a feminine wing to the bird of humanity, 
And the masculine wing has been so overextended and so pumped up that it's just like it's causing the bird of humanity to just fly in circles and go crazy, basically. Wow. I love that image. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And actually, we're we're coming into this this season where the the feminine wing of the bird of humanity is going to we want to allow this masculine wing to just have more ease and yeah, just, just chill out. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Yeah. So that we can support it and we can fly in good direction. I love that because it's not like an overextended, big, muscly wing is not going anywhere. No, it's going round in circles. Possibly it's going higher and higher, but that sort of fits with the hierarchical nature of masculine tendencies, right? Yeah. Well, and and I love when these kind of more poetic spiritual images and ideas and concepts match with the facts, right? The facts are that most businesses now over the last 10 years have been started by women. Most of Britain, certainly in in the UK, is small businesses like that is that is the main employer and most of those are run by women our business world even though it's very focused on industry and kind of the big employers like the kind of comparative nature of us collectively we're, we're a greater force so that wing is getting rebalanced it's just that we might not know that everyone else is out there yes Exactly. And I think I also want to say, I think this, this picture that she gives, I think that just to be careful with taking metaphors and stuff like that from where they natively come from, I think it's like a, a ancient, maybe even Aboriginal vision. Um, and it's something that called the Sophia century. She talks about this, where this, we're in the Sophia century, which is this, this moment in time where this the bird of humanity, this vision of the bird of humanity is going to see its true direction and and equal out, which is beautiful. But I think it it originates from some quite historic and, and native storytelling. And oh, I love that. We'll find we'll find the right reference and make sure it's in the show notes so folks can go and have a little look. Yeah. Yeah, totally appreciate the creator saying that where it's due. I just think we can't reiterate enough like that it's that it's good for all of us when we look at these different ways of of running businesses of of doing life and I keep thinking I don't know about you but I keep thinking about this idea of contentment and and actually drawing inward to find what we define as contentment I find that really I'm I'm on a real journey with that at the minute not to sound too wanky about it but I you know that really really trying to kind of define what what do I desire what is what is true contentment look and feel like for me because especially in the work that I do where I'm you know I'm engaging with women in business you know it's almost like the first like we've got to get to that question nearly first you know so because how will you know if you're doing if you're doing air quotes well or if things are feeling fulfilling for you if we have no direct benchmark of what we want um, and what is going to feel good if that feels wanky then I'm right with you 
I think it's a wanker club. I think it's super important because otherwise, if you're not journeying inward to go, what is this? What does good look like? What does contentment look like? What does success actually mean to me? Then we just co-opt an idea from someone else. Yeah. Or it just becomes some arbitrary, swirly idea that will never feel satisfying because we haven't clearly defined it. And I feel like that has been the trick of, of patriarchy is dangling success for women. Don't you? Like that sense of like, oh, look what you can have now. Like just holding up the little mouse, you know, look what you can have now. But also we have no structure set up for you to actually, you know, achieve what you want to. And also just keep just keep going, keep reaching, keep reaching, rather than have some sort of reflective time to, to think about what, like delve into what you really feel contentment might feel and look like for you and 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 not as like a a static thing but as something that can be really flexible and and change and evolve as you do but you know often whenever I talk to women about this this kind of question and before we or when we commence working together it's often really simple stuff isn't yeah. it it's like absolutely freedom in my work day <laughs> it's often not a monetary thing sometimes it is or that's included but it's usually not the whole picture yeah there's a lot more autonomy choice that always comes up the idea that I could you know have more time with the people I care about yeah deeper relationships always like or you know it's stuff like knowing that my work is making a difference to people or like I'll feel content if I know that that's really working or you know, and, and the pure selfishness of creative satisfaction, right? Like actually getting to make something just because you love it. I'm all for that. I think we should be more selfish when it comes to that, like pursuing and devoting ourselves to something that just feels deeply nourishing to us for no other reason than it feels deeply nourishing to us. Yeah, because what I've also witnessed happen is this idea that every, you know, this idea that everything that we're good at or like doing should become our business or should be monetized in some way or should, or we should then teach about it. Um, and I find that, I find that really terrifying. It's horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. I also it's, get it's... it. I get it too. Like I get that, you know, like there's this big message out there that's like, you know, make sure that you tune into what you're good at and then that you can you can monetize that and I get that that is the culture that we have all pretty much all of us have created because of social media because of influencer culture all of that kind of stuff but I also think there's a real danger in that that everything like nothing becomes something that's simply for pleasure yeah we blur the lines between work and leisure to the point where there isn't there isn't any difference. There's no rest. And we wonder why we're all so tired. But I'm doing my self-care things, but I'm doing all the things that I really like. And I'm like, well, you've made it work. You've made it into work. Like we have we have commodified ourselves to every inch of who we are. I'm just really always like so drawn and fascinated and inspired by people who just 
do things for the the shit of it like just or like you know oh I took up this because I really you know I want to get my hands dirty or I want to try this out or you know I need to get out of my head and into my body or you know and they're not just they're not doing it for any kind of big moral purpose or any big money purpose because I think so much is directed at that and actually it can make us really miserable too because (laughs) everywhere we look it's like oh I guess I'm responsible for that now (laughs) well exactly exactly and I'm I'm with you on that like really going inwards to just check out what does a fulfilling meaningful life look like because what I often find is that most of us have at least some of the components already in place. And then it's like, oh, what? how do I ex- either expand that or add other things in? What needs to go away? What needs to be taken away in order to create some space for more of the things you want? And what permission can I give myself to, to just like, you know, lean into those things more, you know, that whatever it is, like not fill my time. You know, if I do feel like it, there's margin in my day and that is a component of what I want and what feels fulfilling and successful to me. How can I not feel guilty about that? How can I not try and like fill that with productive things? You know, like if I, I think we all find that really tricky, don't we? To not fill every inch of our lives with productivity but I mean that's a that's a whole sermon for another day isn't it (laughs) the more I kind of sit with this and recognize that actually I don't really want my business to grow much more like I'm really I feel quite content with where we're at like it, it does feel like I can really hold it and it's not beyond me or stretching me in a way that feels uncomfortable it's like, oh, maybe enlightenment is just loving what you have. Totally there. And you can see why that is the, like in the work that I end up doing with women, like that is the essential question to get us going. Because if that is what you want, then beyond that in your business, what we need to figure out then is what does that look like in terms of your offers then? What does that look like in terms of how you price things? right? To make this very regenerative for you, right? So that it's not depleting your energy, but it's it's giving you energy. No, not always, but but in the most part, you know, what does that look like in terms of your pricing so that you're, you know, that you don't have to be if your core desire for, uh, for a successful and fulfilling and enlightened life is X amount of space, financial freedom for this you know like let's match your price into that let's let's figure out how to make sure that 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 factors in as well and all the stuff that I find sexy but is often very unsexy to other people like systems and operations yes (laughs) that's incredibly sexy and because you start to see that oh I could automate some of this stuff I could change the way I do something or I can start to really pay attention to what lights me up. Like I've, I started off thinking, oh, I want bigger, more, you know, the impact has to be great for it to count my typical way because my self-doubt shows up with me constantly proving myself. 
And then recognizing that actually, oh, smaller, more intimate boutique groups of people. Like if I get more than about 12 or 15 people, my energy feels different. It's like I scatter. I can't really hold a group that is much bigger than that. It doesn't feel grounded for me. And it's like, oh, good. That's good to know, right? That gives me a nice barometer about the kind of scope that I can, uh, I'm going to thrive in, which means my people are going to have a better experience, which means everything, reciprocity is in action here. That's it. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's always that decision about, you know, do I want, do I want more time or money? You know, those, those are some good questions to ask when it comes to like delegation. Like, is it, what's more important to me right now? Is it paying for some help to get, to take stuff off my hands in my business? Or am I happy to do it knowing that, you know, it's maybe saving me a bit of money? You know, those are good questions as well. But all of those things, you know, sustainable pricing, having really strong automations and operations in your business and being realistic about your capacity and your sweet spot, like you've just mentioned, it all that all contributes to that core desire and like to building that. And, and for folks who have like product-based businesses, you add in the extra part of the creation process and how sustainable that is, not just for you and your customers, but the planet, you know. So then you get into some different levers that you're pulling, right? Like, is this fast, cheap, or good? <laughs> you know, how do I how do I pull on a couple of those levers? What what does that look like? Yeah, I yeah, I had a client come to this retreat I ran last week who, you know, this really, really successful business that was born out of a skill, a hobby that she really loved. And everyone was just like, oh, you should sell these. And, you know, she's kind of grown this incredible business, but it's like, you know, she was also then offering a a whole host of different ways people could buy versions of this business. And it's a product business. And after our our time together in this retreat, she was like, I'm going to simplify the shit out of this thing. Like, I just need this to be more simple. This isn't what I want. Like, my whole house is taken over from this. My, you know, my, I'd have nowhere to go that isn't covered in this. And I need this to be simple. I don't want, you know, and that's such a cool, that's such a cool pivot, I think. it, And, and a brave one. It's brave, isn't it? Well, and I think it's an, it's a, also a really natural stage of business. Like, I think when we're first starting out, you're literally like just throwing spaghetti. <laughs> what's sticking? What's happening? It's a massive experiment, right? What? What feels good? I've, you know, I've either professionalized a skill and got some training in something, or I've got to a point in my own creative endeavors where I feel like this is something I can sell. And then you're just seeing what works for a while until you get to a point where you usually, I think for most of us, we get to a point where we think, oh, this, I'm starting to lose my love for this. Something isn't working. That's usually the first sign that we go. I don't know anyone, and forgive me if this is you, Mel, but I don't know anyone who has started a business with a complete strategy. Oh, <laughs> never. Do you know what I mean? Like, even that word. <laughs> Did you not feels... hear about the orchard? <laughs> <laughs> but it is, right? It's kitchen table stuff where we just see what works. And then at some point you realize, 
either for for this to be sustainable or for it to grow or for it to work for me so I'm okay, something is going to have to shift. And that's usually when most people go, I think I need either a coach or a business partner of some sort. I need some help to figure out, you know, what I should be investing in next. Is it systems? Is it help? Is it is it a strategy? What what's what's going to support me? I think that's a really natural point of a business. It's healthy, it really is healthy. But I think a lot of women get to that point and surmise that they're not up to it. Then they just pack it in, which is always it's always an option, always an option. If you want to just pack it in, if your nervous system is like shot from the whole thing, you need some space. Like um, I am way into suggesting that as an option. But I think what's dangerous is that we surmise that we're not cut out for it from there instead of going, actually, I just need some support. Actually, I just, I could really do with not doing everything manually myself. Or actually, I could, you know, I really just don't know. Like, I just need someone to help me figure out how to market this thing in a way that feels natural and spacious to me, you know, because every literally content is now. (laughs) is like the most exhausting idea and concept for so many business owners right everyone's just like oh my god like every everything is content first of all is this there's there's this idea that everything is content and secondly that we have to churn it out or we're gonna or we're gonna be invisible and I'm just like I think that's terrifying because nobody has especially in our kind of professions our kind of work where it's very thought-based and thought-provoking. I'm like, not everybody has the capacity to churn over and it's not doing anybody a a good service to put out (laughs) mind-blowing Instagram posts every day. Exactly. Give us a fucking minute. Give us a minute to digest some of this mind-blowing wisdom. I need to think about this for a bit. (laughs) Can you give me a week? Yeah. No, I'm... I'm really with you though on this on this natural state of a business where it gets to a point where something has to change. And both you and I in the last sort of few years have kind of pivoted our work. We've gone, oh, this is the time when it needs to shift and change. And I don't know about you, but that has been like a, a huge mind-opening experience because what I think can also happen and certainly the clients I work with who come to me around self-belief as business owners they'll often decide I'm not up to it something's gone wrong rather than I think they need to make some changes here but also I think our businesses can become the biggest personal development journey that we never signed up for oh totally because you're suddenly, you're not hiding behind, or not hiding, but you don't have a brand or an organization to stand behind. It's just you out there kind of raw dogging it in the world. <laughs> yeah. Asking people, hey, want to do this with me? Like, yeah. Do you want to buy my thing? Yeah. Want to want to be part of this? Want to want to give me some of your hard-earned cash for the skills that I've honed over a lifetime? And We have to get good at receiving which I I know for so many of my clients, that is really, really vulnerable. So we have to get good at receiving. We have to get good at sharing our ideas and, and having a bit of a platform. We have to get good at saying, here's a thing I made and be 
you know, kind of like okay with any judgment, criticism, rejection we get from that. We have to get good at discerning what is what's the criticism about me versus my work, like all of this stuff. And that's before you get into like hiring people or working out the tech, right? There's so much that goes on. Oh my gosh, so much. And I think that's why it's even like, not to try and come full circle, but just why community is so important, isn't it? Because you just need reminding that you can, that you can hold your nerve with this. You can hold your nerve, hold your nerve. You know, like so much of what I talk about with (laughs) clients when they're in the middle of maybe promoting something or they've got a new product that they're launching is just try not to disappear in the middle of this. You you can you can hold your nerve we're here like come back come back to the group come back to me when you're feeling it when it feels really hard to show up because there's something about you have really clearly said that you want to be faithful to this idea and to this this thing that there's something in you that needs to create this we're gonna just hold you while it's hard and you can come back and hide with us, but we, we need you to show up because there are people out there that really need this product that you're making, or there, there are people out there that are going to really delight in this piece of art that you've made, or who are just like ready for the solution that you're creating and are so ready for, for your input and your voice. And it can be so counterintuitive to ask for help when things aren't going well, when you translate that as I'm failing, this might not work. When that that kind of risk is on the table, which I, in my experience, always happens pretty much before you launch any new thing or share any new thing, that's always when your self-doubt is going to be at its peak saying, hold yourself back, this is too risky. You don't know what's going to happen because you're at the point you say it's now available, you've lost a lot of your ability to control the situation. So for those of us who, I don't know if you've experienced this now, <laughs> like to be in control of things. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm so easy breezy. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, that can feel so bloody vulnerable and hard. And, diff- and the last thing you want to do is say, hey, not only is this feeling really horrible, I want to talk about it and share it with people who I care about what they think of me. That I think that it's such a counterintuitive and sophisticated aspect of self-doubt is to say not only are you at risk, but you're alone in that risk. And as soon as you actually say, no, I, I know that it feels like that, but I'm going to take this vulnerable part of me and take it back to my people and say, hey, anyone else feeling a little wobbly today? <laughs> and then there's this incredible thing that happens when you're in, when you when you cultivate trust uh, in those spaces is that is that people show up for you. And that's a beautiful thing that I get, like I get to see the, I was thinking about this the other day, my most like orgasmic business feeling is when I see my clients supporting each other when they're in groups together and they're like 
commenting on each other's things and they're sharing each other's businesses and they're buying from each other because they want to, not because they feel pity or they collaborate on something. Or, and you know what? And this absolute buzz that I get from that is unbelievable. This is, and it continues to happen. There are people that I, that I have had in groups together years ago or who met at an event years ago who are now business partners or they're like, oh, oh my, it makes me want to just weep. It really makes me want to weep because I just feel like that is, that is, you know, kind of women supporting each other in such a tangible, altruistic, as much as anything can be altruistic sense. It's the greatest thing. I remember the very first retreat I ran, two women met on that retreat. And as a result of stuff that came out, within six months, the other one had left her partner and ended up flying to Canada to have Christmas with this woman's family. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't stand it. But I think the thing I have, I'm so glad that happened for them. But what it taught me was you're just a steward of this work. You're creating this space. You're holding this, these thoughts, these ideas. I honestly have no real idea of what's going to happen. I can never control that outcome. It always helps me to come back to not being in control is always the best thing. I'm not really at that statement yet, Sass, to be honest. <laughs> well, I, I keep telling myself that. Right? I want to be there. I'm not it yet. <laughs> you're you're a bigger woman than me I yeah I'm not there yet I still love I still have a really kind of a fan sense of control (laughs) or that there's that is possible um but I I want to be there you know and I think that the evidence would tell me that that's true you know and and it requires so much trust doesn't it in each other and in ourselves to to know that we can that we can try and we're you know it's not all the it's not going to all go to shit and that we're we're resilient and we're we're able and capable of figuring it out i think that's often the the problem is we we don't know we don't have the yeah we're not sure that we can figure it out but actually if we take some time and go hmm what would i do if it did go to shit most of us will be able to figure it out and you've got a greater chance of doing that when you're surrounded by some really supportive brains and hearts who aren't as invested, right, who can step back slightly and say, hey, you might be losing a bit of perspective here, which is totally understandable, but, you know, let's come back to what's possible. It's huge. It's huge. It's it's so important. And so, I, you know, I just want to encourage anybody listening who's feeling that sense of aloneness in their work to do what they need to do to try and find those people who can who they can say hard things to and that that'll be able you know and to know that that takes time and that takes absolutely and if you can find someone like Mel who will hold that space for you and keep it in a way that feels really healthy and supportive that's just it will just add jet fuel to your creative fire it's the I think it is such an underrated experience. We we're pretty good at saying what's wrong with the business coaching world, but actually 
in my experience, you find a good person, you find a good, you know, a thought leader who is really going to stretch you and grow you and hold you in all of it. It is, it's everything. It is. It really is. I'm so grateful to the experiences I have had of that and and honoured to do that for others as well. It is, it's magical. Well, I'm so glad you pivoted away from activism work and into some different version of that. Yeah, that's what it feels like, a different (laughs) version of it. Yeah. (laughs) So good. Hey, thanks for joining us, Mal. I'm super glad to be in your world. I am so glad to be in yours. What a world it is. Hey, did you know your self-doubt is not an amorphous cloud of woe and doom? How we experience and respond to self-doubt is really specific and quite personal. More importantly, your self-doubt also makes complete sense. After coaching with hundreds of people over the last decade, I found that there are patterns and themes that show there's always a damn good reason why self-doubt holds us back. And I've developed a model of the 12 different types of self-doubt. If you head over to selfbelief.school to take the archetypes quiz, you'll uncover your self-doubt archetype. I'll send you a beautiful ebook that reveals all the details, including five ways that you can start to interrupt the pattern of your self-doubt today. Selfbelief.school and click on take the archetypes quiz. I hope you enjoy it.